Hey everyone, this is Dave Broadbeck, um, coming to you just before the start of the winter 2017 term. Uh, the lecture you've downloaded is from, uh, or you're streaming, you could be streaming it, it could be streaming, maybe not downloading, anyway, user technicalities and don't matter that much, is from uh, Psychology 3256, Advanced Univariate Statistics. It's, of course, needs to be called Design and Analysis 1, that uh, we changed the name. Um, so this is the lecture. There's also uh, our YouTube video. So you want to check those out. So you just have to search on YouTube for my name, um, and you'll see a playlist of Psych 3256 for this uh, coming year. Uh, thanks a lot for downloading, and I hope you enjoy it. Uh, the chance of anybody actually enjoying this lecture, I can't. wears it as a badge of honor, which I like. So today, um, talk about hierarchically noble. We may get to Latin squares too, because these are not long things. They're also things that you should avoid, like the freaking play. Run, run for your lives. I'm doing this with a sense of completeness. <laughs> it's not like I like hierarchical designs at all. I despise them with every fiber of my being, with the intensity of a thousand suns. Usually all of our factors are independent variables, in other words, are crossed with each other. They interact with each other. All levels of A occur with all levels of B. Right? That kind of thing. And I'm not talking about subjects. We talk about nesting with subjects. And that, that leads to either independent um, groups or repeated measures. That's fine. Subjects, of course, are often nested. That's not what I'm talking about. Sometimes, however, things are different and scary. Well, that's a little scary. For interpretation purposes, as you'll see in a moment. Okay? So sometimes things are a little bit different. Okay. What we have here, this design, and this is actually from a real research project, that a friend of mine did statistical consulting. One of the ways you can make a little bit extra money in graduate school if you are good at statistics is charge people money to analyze their data from other departments. People doing medical research very often. And I will tell you the story of my doing that a couple of times, probably next time, because it's more pertinent the next time. But my friend Todd had, was asked to analyze these data and we have hospitals, three different hospitals, this was in Toronto, and we have six different painkillers. We have, and we have independent groups that are burn survivors. So these are people that are in a great deal of pain. So trying to develop and test new painkillers for people that are in literally constant pain. It's a sad story, but if you can get a better that's wonderful. Now, the thing is, the way the study was designed, they just had six drugs, they had six groups, they thought they had a nice independent, very uh, independent one-way Nova situation, and they don't. Because hospitals also make, you know, make a difference. Because each hospital has a different staff, each hospital has different, a different environment. You have to take hospitals into account. Because if we get a difference between these drugs, maybe it's because they're administered to different hospitals. Right? See the logic there? 
And this is what Todd told him. He said, I'm sorry, I can't just analyze this with a one-way ANOVA. You have to do it this way. So we had five burn survivors in each group. So things are weird here because we've got hospital, which has two degrees of freedom. And it's a between factor, so it's between subjects and there. And then we go drugs within the hospital, D minus one times H. You're going, wait, there's six drugs. Yeah, but there's within each level of hospital, there are two drugs. Two minus one is one times three. Okay. And then we've got subjects within drug hospital interactions. You can't say subjects within drugs within hospital. It just doesn't work that way. So both of these effects, the effect of hospital and the effect of drug within hospital, are effect are tested. So you divide by mean squared for drug within or for subjects within drug hospital interactions. So it's not subjects within drugs within hospital. You just don't. That's not a thing to say. And I like to think of it this way: the subject or the group looks up and sees a drug hospital interaction but can't see over here, can only see up, can't see the other, the other uh, cells. So they don't know. So I think of it that way. So to them, it's a drug hospital interaction. Because they don't know what's going on over here. So there are cases where you're going to, this is going to be useful. And it's this is one of those cases where and it's usually a field thing, and it's where you have to have, you have to take this other variable, in this case hospitals, into account. You really can't intellectually not do it, because if you found a difference, what if it's due to a hospital? And also, if you want to remove this variation, this is the best thing you can do. But your conclusion is drugs within hospitals are different, not that drugs are different. So you're saying there's an effect of drugs within each hospital, if there's an effect. And there was, actually. And Todd said, you know, you really should do this differently. These people should all be in the same burn ward, and they should all, and they said, we can't do that. We don't have the beds. We don't have the resources to do that. It just can't be done. And they said, okay, well, this is the best I can do. I'm sorry, this is the best I can do. Right? Which didn't please them, but he said, you got to do it right. And then he put his thousand dollars in his pocket. <laughs> but I mean, that's, you can actually, literally, if you're a psych student who's good at stats, you can make a little bit of extra money in graduate school. Okay, questions? You see the logic of this? Yeah? Okay. Here's another example. We'll say n equals three here. Look at where that came in. So we've got A, we got B, we got C, we got three now. This is going to be a little more complicated. Let's put it over there. So now we have nesting as well as within subjects variables. Now it gets this gets complicated.
Yates order is your friend. It will tell you what to list when you're trying to figure out the source of variation and the degrees of freedom. Order is? Sounds, looks like it should be a word. It's not. It's order is. What are the between subjects variables? Where different subjects get different levels of the variable. Do we have any between subjects variables? Looks like everybody gets every level of C. I think that's a within subject variable. Right? Because 1, 2, 3, 4 gets C1, 1, 2, 3, 4 gets C2. So C's a within subject variable. Is it B? Is it which? B. B is one of them, I think. Yeah. Different subjects get B1 or B2. Yeah. B's a within a between subject variable. What's another between subject variable? A, a is for sure. Because different subjects get different levels of A. There's also a problem here that we have nesting. So we have, and what's the nesting situation here? Besides the subjects, what's the nesting situation? So you'd have subjects and then A nested in subjects. No, 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 no. Don't worry about subjects yet. Oh. Just worry about the factors themselves, the, the, the independent variables. Because we have nesting here. This is a hierarchical design. In C. Right? No. That's okay. Let's try it. Okay. I appreciate it. Take a look at this. Where do different levels, do all levels of C occur with all levels of A? C1, C2, all levels of A. Yeah, all levels of C occur with all levels of A. That's good. So C's not nested with the A unit. Right? Because all levels of C also occur with all levels of B. So we cannot, C isn't nested. C is just a within subject there. That's nice. Let's look at our between. Perfect. What about A? Nested half. Is A with? Don't worry about the subjects. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, don't worry about the subjects. Look at levels of B. Does every level of B occur with every level of A? No. Some levels of B occur within A one, and some levels of B occur within A two. Right? Does everybody see that? Yeah? Okay, I see some nods. Or I have a feeling you might not really see that well. Thank you. Blind joke, it's offensive. I make blind jokes and autism jokes. Put them together, it's great. John and I, we ride a, we ride a, a, a tandem bike. We do, we do. Um, John's not good on a bicycle. Like, I think he just stops paying attention, starts thinking about plane crashes, and then falls off. So we got, we got this tandem bike, which is great. And two guys... John's about as big as me now. Two guys our size going down any kind of incline. We're going 50 kilometers an hour. It's amazing. But it sounds like a joke, doesn't it? This blind guy and this autistic kid get on this, this uh, tandem bike. We're definitely going to a bar on his 19th birthday, just so I can walk into a bar and go, this blind guy and this autistic guy walk into this bar. I told him that, and he's like, I don't want to go to a bar. It's like, you will when you're 19. Um, anyway. Back to where we were. B's nested within A. Different levels of B occur within different levels of A. You can talk about A on its own. You can't talk about B on its own. Right? Look at that. You can talk about A. You can say, sure, A goes with C, A goes with B, if that's, we're fine with A. But you can't talk about B on its own without mentioning what level of A it's in. 
That's sort of the test to see if something's nested. Can I talk about B without mentioning A? No, I can't. It's impossible. Or as Ralph Wiggum would say, it's impossible. So the final little bit of Yates' order is you go between subjects within, but you start with the top of a hierarchy. So the non-nested, then the nested. Okay. So let me show you the source of variation degrees of freedom table for this. We got A. We can talk about A on some so between subjects within. A is a between subject variable. B is a between subject variable, but it's nested within A. And C is a within subject variable. And now it just is do that thing that we do. A, this is the easy degrees of freedom, has A minus 1. <laughs> There's two levels of A. B within A, because you can't talk about B by itself. You have to say B within A. B minus 1 times A. There are, within each level of A, looking at that design, there are two levels of B. So 2 minus 1 is 1 times 2. Why can't it not be vice versa for the A is first? Because you can talk about A on its own. If you look, think of it again. Think of it uh, like like the variables look down. Okay. Okay. Or they or look up. When A looks up, it doesn't see anything. Because it's first. It's the top of the hierarchy. Yeah. So when A looks up, it can't see anything. So it's on its own. When C looks well across, it doesn't see anything. It's not nested. When B looks up, it goes, "Oh, there's an A one there, or an A two. He's cooking something. It smells kind of good. <laughs> yeah, sure. something with tomatoes. What's going on? I should put those little induction burners in my office. I cook all kinds of fun things. My wife says I should be cooking Chinese dumplings in my office because I can. I'm really good at that. I can dip some. I said I think that the people, and she says I should sell them because that I think the Morning Star people would be. Or you could just give them to the staff. There you go. Maybe I'll make a whole bunch of dumplings one day and bring them in. Okay. Probably not. Yeah, sure. Because we have Chinese homestays, so she makes pork, chicken, beef. It takes some practice, but I can do it. You best actually do it without looking, because if you look, I find if I look, I screw it up. Do you do it on a steamer? Yeah, I have a steamer, and then I can fry them. I have a big metal steamer, and I have a bamboo one. I have so many walks that there was the other day I looked at I have all my pots hanging up in my kitchen. I looked at it, I didn't even know I had that one. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a complex person. Um, what did that even mean? <laughs> Subjects are nested within A B interactions. Okay? We had how many subjects did I say? It was uh was it three? Something like that? Oh yeah. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. N minus 1, so 3 minus 1 is 2. There are, within each level of, sorry, yeah, within each, each level of A, there are two levels of B, and there are two levels of A. So we go 2 times 2 times 2, we get 8. Well, that's good. The, the, the betweens are done. Now we'll do the within. Oh, it gets a little easier now. C. Oh, that's easy. And then we go C by A. 
C by B within A. C by S within AB. Done. Can't cross C itself. What do you test with what? Well, that's that one column there, the test column. We're going to test A and B within A by the subjects within AB term, if we, when we do the analysis variance. Uh, same thing here, C, C, C by A, C by B within A are all going to be tested with the mean square for C by S within AB. Analyzing these kind of data with SPSS is really not tremendously easy. It can be done, but for some reason, SPSS comes out by calling this an AB interaction, an SAB interaction, a CBA, and they really aren't. They don't have the nesting. And I don't know why it's like that. There's even a little note on the SPSS page when you look and talk about hierarchical designs and says, oh, we don't do it that way. You mean the way everyone else in the world does it? It really annoys the hell out of me. So that's, frankly, if you ever, first of all, you're never, no one will let you design an experiment like this. But if you did, I would say go learn R. <laughs> Don't use SPSS at all. Right? Or SAS, which is much better. SPSS will do it. It just comes up with really funny notation that, you, that doesn't make sense. That's all. But if you wanted to do nested, nested design for your honors thesis, we wouldn't like it. Your advisor would go, no, I'm sorry, you're not doing that. We'll find another way. Questions? Okay. I have a question. Oh, good. For B minus 1, why is the B 4 minus 1? Because within each level of A, there are just two levels of B. Okay. Just like you do with the subjects. When you have nesting, it's kind of hard to get your head around that. Again, unless you realize that within each level, you don't know what's going on over here in the hierarchy. Level A one has B one and B two. That's right. Within each level of A, there are two levels of B. That's why the B minus one is only one in that case, not three. Yeah. Good question. Other questions. You know, you should be able to go the other way too. Let's see if we can do this one. Yeah, let's see this one. We'll do this one up on the board here, but you will tell me what to do. I mean, within reason. <laughs> okay. This would be the kind of thing that would show up, perhaps, on the final exam. He said knowingly. <laughs> there will be one like this, where you will be given this, not this actual one, or maybe it will be this actual one. <laughs> and... Your task will be to show me the design. As Tom Cruise said, show me the design. No, you ever said that. <laughs> what a cultural reference from the 1990s. Um, okay. Look at this. Between subjects, what's the between factor? Or the between factors? Maybe there's more than one. Tell me what the between factors are, or if there is one. Between subjects within. B is a between factor. How many levels does B have? Yes. So we can start by going B1, B2. Ooh, look at that. 
it's starting to take shape already. It's like when you build a model plane and you put the propeller on the engine. What a very bad analogy, because I'm sure no one else in here ever built model planes. Okay. Did anybody build model planes? No? Okay. I used to. Kind of get back into that. Anyway, so that's beside the point. So, and look, this also tells you subjects are within B. It must be a between subject fact. That's good. Do we have any within subject factors? A. How many levels does A have? Yes. Is there any nesting of factors? Not subjects, of factors. No, because we don't have A within B or B within A. So we don't have to worry about that crap. Good. We have three levels of A that are crossed with B because there's no nesting. Okay. Subjects are within B. And B is a between subject factor. Between subjects within. We already established that. So, within each B1, we've got group 1, group 1, group 1. Within each B2, we've got group 2, group 2, group 2. And here we've got group 3, group 3, group 3. Almost done. How many subjects are in each group? Pardon me? How are you getting out? 36 divided by oh. Yeah, no, that's that's right. That's one way to do it. By nine. 36 divided by 9. There are 9 cells. There are 36 total observations. 9 times 1 equals 36. 4. 4. 8 equals 4. Hey, 10 out of 10. Not so bad, right? You know the beautiful thing about this is? These are easy to make up practice ones to do. Make up a design and break it down. It's easy. There. How did you get it? How did you get the end? There's a couple of ways to do it. One of them is to take a look and just say, what I did was pretty smart, which is to say that there's nine cells, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. There are 35 degrees of freedom, so there's 36 observations. 36 divided by nine is four. So that's one way. The other way is to take a look here. It goes S within B equals 9. Right? S within B equals 9. That means N minus 1 times B equals 9. N minus 1 times 3 equals 9. 3N minus 3 equals 9. 3N equals 12. N equals 4. Algebra. That would be the way to do it. In fact, I would do them both. I would do it both ways just to double check this. Right? And I know doing problems like this when I was in school, these kind of things, I would always do it both ways just to double check. Because those two things should agree. If they don't, you've done something very strange. See, that's not that hard to do. And this, in fact, literally is something that I do whenever I read a paper. I look at the announcement. They say, no, I look at the announcement. It allows me to then figure out the design without having to read the method section, and if I read the method section and it's different than this, I know either I'm misunderstanding something or somebody did something wrong. Right. So this is actually useful that way. Questions? So that's not so bad, right? It's not so bad. Where am I? Where did my pointer go? There it is. Okay, things to remember. Using its order, 
you can figure out any design in the air drums. It always works. It never doesn't work. Now, going back to these hierarchical designs, we have a little problem here, though. Is hospital a fixed factor or a random factor in our original example? I don't know. I think I'd probably consider it a random factor. Yeah, I'd probably consider it a random factor. Avoid these things like the plague if you can. Like, literally just think it's like the movie Invasion of the Body Snatchers, and you're going, oh, like that, and you're, it's all subtle and pointing. You have nobody here seen that movie. It's the big Sam scene. No, she just thought it was funny. Going, oh. Okay, so that's not so bad, right? Okay. When I present this one last, as far as designs go, because it's weird, it's just different. Whereas the hierarchical, even though they suck, makes some sense. Okay. We've discussed procedures for dealing with a nuisance variable. Remember, a nuisance variable is something where we know it's going to cause, we would cause variation, we can measure it and remove it. What do we do? We block on it. Right? The randomized block design takes care of this. Piece of cake. Or as they say in Quebec, Marceau de Ghetto. No, they don't. They really, really don't. You can do repeated measures, would be another way, right? That's which is a special case of the randomized block design. Also doable. You can also do something that we won't talk about in this course, which is if you can measure something and you can't block on it, you can do something called ANCOVA, analysis of covariance. It's like doing analysis of variance and then statistically controlling for something. So you actually remove variance due to some nuisance variable, but you do it statistically, you don't do it with design. So there is something called ANCOVA. It's something, if you go to graduate school, you might really do it. You may really do it if you do your honors thesis and say, I think this, most of us, again, would steer you away from doing something like that. Design control is always better than statistical control, as far as I can see. Okay. variables. Well, then I think you should probably just quit. <laughs> or perhaps there's a design that this little mini lecture can tell you about. So now you have two nuisance variables and a third variable, the independent variable, the thing you're actually interested in to deal with. So three. Well, what you do is you gotta kind of sort of have to sort of kind of put them together. So you put them together. You probably learned the lap squares in design analysis, right? 21, 27? Did you learn a little bit about Latin squares in that course? Just a little. It came up, yeah. I mean, it's not about the analysis, but about the design, right? Yeah. 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 So it comes up. Put the nuisance variable in a row like you always would, and put the other one in, in columns and in exclamation points. I am so bored right now that I had to put those exclamation points in just to wake me up. That's 
for a sense of completeness that I want to talk about Latin square spaces. I really don't want to talk about it. So this is something one could do. And then and then I will say that of all the honors theses, for example, I have uh, supervised, there was one person who used a Latin square. And it was because she had, she was doing, it was a thing, it was a complicated, really cool experiment, actually, and she worked with me, Jen Sushro, uh, don't think that's her name anymore, I think she got married, changed her name, whatever. Um, but anyway, she did a thing where she had, could people detect odors of poisons? Which is cool, right? So she had different things that were um, toxic at small levels, like things like airplane glue and gasoline and contact cement and all that kind of stuff. And then could you mask them with pleasant odors? Banana, cherry, and all this vanilla, rose water. It was nice. It smelled great in here when she would run the experiment. But she had eight and eight. And then she had, and there was another variable. It was the order they were done in. So she said, I said, you want to do an eight by eight by eight? How many subjects do you think that is? And she said, I can't do that in my head. I said, I can. We'll need 256 subjects to have one subject per group. No, I don't think we're doing that. How about we get 64 subjects? How about we get, sorry, 16 subjects and we do a Latin square? And she's the only student I ever had that didn't call me Dave. She always called me David. It sounded like Cheryl was talking to <laughs> Well, okay, David, she said. I said, okay, well, let's do that. And we did. It was a really cool thesis, by the way. Because we kept saying, well, do we have to have eight? And it's like, we looked at it, it was really bizarre. I was like, yeah, let's do it with the house. So we used a lot of scores. So this, this actually does come up. It's rare, but it comes up. So you get something like that, like the way that came in. So you've got, this is a nuisance variable in the rows. This is a nuisance variable in the columns. And A, B, C, and D are different levels. I know this is annoying. This is the way people do it. A, B, C are different levels of your independent variable. There's not an A, a B, a C, and a D. There's just an independent variable. It's the treatment level we call it. And for some reason, it's always done like this. And why? I do not know. But I like to do things the way, the standard way things are done. Is that over there? So A, B, C, and D are not a factor. They are just levels of the independent variable. Okay? Notice that each level, A, B, C, or D, occurs in each ordinal position once. And each row and column has each level once. So in this case, we have a, if we wanted to do this as a full-on three-way factorial design, we would have a four by four by four. So we would have sixteen. We'd have sixty-four groups in this case. It's not going to happen. We need sixty-four subjects just to test one subject per group, and those kind of designs are evil. So instead, what we have is we now have just 16 people. And I should say, actually, Jensen was, was 64, not 16, because it was 8 by 8 by 8. So she had 64 people she needs tested instead of like 
I think that's 256. No, 512. Wow. We'll look at that. So each row and each column has each level once. Do you understand the design? I know it's a weird looking design, but it's not a bad design. This one is something one can do under very specific circumstances. I would never suggest doing this except, like, again, there was one time when it made sense in my whole career. I don't know how many owner species I've figured that out. Jeez, it's probably pushing, it's getting closer to 100 than it is to 50 owner species I've, I've supervised. And one time, so. Okay. So again, questions on the design. Does the design make some sense? Okay, good. You need an equal number of rows, columns, and independent variable levels, which is a very, it's quite a, uh, we call it, it's quite stringent set of assumptions. And your model looks like this. Any score, so it's x equals mu plus alpha plus beta plus gamma plus epsilon. Any score equals the grand mean, of course, plus rows, plus columns, plus the independent variable. That's the treatment step again. That's the treatment. Of course, plus error. Sometimes in this case, you see error just called residual. In fact, in a uh, Latin square output, you almost always see it called residual. It's called a Latin square because the Romans used to do a thing with numbers that they liked with these squares. It's like Romans, it's like Sudoku, 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 whatever it's called there, that thing. Sudoku. Sudoku. See, you guys all know that, but you can't pay attention to this and follow it. But, kidding, I kid, because I'm not. But, <laughs> that's really, sometimes these are so just for me. Um, that refers to a TV show that was on before everybody in this room was born, almost certainly, except for me. But the important thing is that um, the Romans did this, and they liked playing with numbers, but they had that stupid number system with the X's and the I's and the V's and the C's and the L's and all that. They didn't have decimal numbers. But they liked doing these kind of, it was like a puzzle. It was called a Latin square. So the ANOVA looks like this. Rows, columns, independent variable, residual, and total. There are P rows, P columns, and P levels of the independent variable. So in our case, you get you have three, three, and three, so that's nine, and then six, right? Because three minus one, three minus two. I'm oh, sorry, four minus one, four minus two, right? Three, three, and three, and six is 15. Oh, and there's 16 observations. Failed it. And you divide the mean square for independent variable by the mean square for the residual. You don't care about rows and columns, just like you don't care about blocking. You just want these to be nice big. When the mean square comes up for rows and columns, it's nice if it's a big, big number because it means you took out a lot of variance. So 
See, I gendered this, and it worked really nicely. So this one, I'm not, I don't think you should avoid it. I'm saying it's, it's a pain to set up. Because one of the things you have to do when you do a Latin square, there's a whole bunch of different possible Latin squares. Like I showed you one for a four by four where I put A first and then A second in the second row and A third in the third row and A four in the fourth row, but that's just one possible. So one of the things you have to do is randomly select what four by four or five by five or three by three or whatever Latin square you want to use. You wouldn't do a three by three. Probably. Anyway. Say so what you do is you choose you go, you, there are tables, literally, of these things, and there's now, of course, tools on the internet. You just go, you say, generate me a 5x5x5 a, a a, a five by five by five, five by five Latin square. And it just says, here's one, and you're done. There are, in fact, books that are simply tables of Latin squares. They are not page terms. No good character development. There's no romance in them, no action. You could actually do two Latin squares. What if you had two four by fours? Then you get a really weird thing in here. You get a between square and a square. Or you can do a cube. That means you have to have three. Uh, Nuisance variables. Those things only show up as hard questions on graduate level statistics final exams. We had one like that. We had a cube, and then we had to do between cubes. One of the cubes wasn't complete. It's like, oh, this is really useful. Hard. So one can do these things, but typically you just do the regular old Latin square. Conclusions about Latin squares. These actually can be useful if you meet these stringent assumptions. And they're totally cool. There's nothing weird about interpreting them. You can look at them and go, very well, I got that. That's easy. Like I said, Jen did it. I think Jen probably had the best mark of any thesis student that year. In a pretty strong year, by the way. She isn't listening. She's not listening. There can't be any interactions. Did you know there's no interaction term there? Now, what happens... Remember what the model is for this. It's x equals mu plus alpha plus beta plus gamma plus epsilon. Alpha and beta are rows and columns. What happens if there's actually an interaction? Actually an interaction between rows and columns. You just don't know. What's going to happen? Where's that variance going to go? Well, it's not going to go to rows. It's not going to go to columns. It's not going to go to everything. Oh, it's going to go to error. You don't want any, you want error small because you're dividing by error. Makes it makes the F value bigger. So it actually makes it more conservative, which is good in a way because you don't make an idiot yourself and say, it doesn't make it more likely for you to say there's an effect and there isn't one, but it does make it harder to find your effect if it's actually there. So there's no interaction. How do you know if there's an interaction or not? Can't. Remember randomized block? You can block it, you can draft it out, and go, oh, I see, I think the lines cross in those two blocks. There's an interaction here, it's going to make it a little harder. I'm, I'm violating the assumption. If I find an effect, I'm okay. If I don't, I don't know that it's maybe it's because I violated the assumption. In this case, that's not, 
going to happen. You can't graph this out. You have 16 points, let's say, for a four-point. How do you graph that? I don't know. So that's annoying. So you can't have interaction. So how do you know if there's no interaction? Uh, previous research. Go read the literature. That's, that's all you can really do. That's all you can really do. So equal number of levels of rows, columns, independent variable will tell you you have a lattice square. What are, is something where you can use a lattice square? So these are bad designs, Latin squares. I just, they have these really tight assumptions. And when something has really tight assumptions, usually that's uh, an indication that it's going to be difficult to, it might be difficult to interpret. It might be difficult just even run the experiment. Questions about Latin squares? I'm very tired. It's the time of year. Alright. We're back.
lecture. Um, all of the audio is available, of course, on iTunes or whatever podcatcher you're using. Just search for da uh, Dr. Dave Broadbeck's uh, Psychology Lectures at Algoma University, which is the most ungainly title ever. Uh, these are released under a sh uh, um, Creative Commons copyright share like 3.0 Canada. Uh, you can't use these for commercial purposes. Um, you feel free to share them uh, and feel free to mash them up any way you want. But if you do that, that means I get to do the same thing with your stuff. Sort of like the GNU license. Um, I hope you learned something. But if you didn't, I, unless you're one of my students, I really don't care. Um, the music, by the way, for each uh, song, for each uh, uh, episode, <laughs> lecture, uh, is uh, available. They're all podcast, uh, like Podsafe music. So if you want to uh, find out about the bands, there's links on my website at people.aoc.ca slash broadback. Uh, if those links don't work, just contact me and I'll find, uh, I'll find out. Um, often I put links uh, actually in the uh, if you call them show notes or blog posts. So, uh, you know, buy these people's music. They're, they're making the stuff available out there. Uh, thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time.